0: We have been spending the last eight weeks actually uh, diving through the Old Testament, kind of going through the story of God uh, in in some sort of depth right through the old Testament uh, I mean we could we could spend a lot more than eight weeks going through the whole old Testament right but uh, we 've kind of been going through the main themes of the old testament and here 's really the reason why right if we are going to be a people who multiply, a people who who are disciples, making disciples, making disciples, until the kingdom of God comes. Right? If this is the kind of people we're going to be, then we need to know the story of God because we need to be able to tell the story of God to those that we meet and to those that we're discipling. And so we've kind of been going on this this course, and and next, this is our last week in the Old Testament, and we've been going through this course of the Old Testament. Focusing on some of the themes. And, and I hope you've, you've caught on to some of these themes that we've been going on to. And really caught on to how the Old Testament is not just this, this separate thing that was... But it, it is it is essential to understanding the New Testament, and we'll get into that as we start going uh, next week and for the next, I think it's six weeks after that, as we talk through the New Testament, some of the themes in the New Testament. The Old Testament is not just, just a book that was, a book that, that we don't need to read anymore. The Old Testament speaks volumes into the New Testament, and we'll talk about that a little bit more this morning as well. But over, as we've talked through the Old Testament, we've kind of... We've, uh, last week we we talked about uh, these covenants, right? And these covenants have kind of been been the theme of the Old Testament. All these covenants that God is making with His people, right? We have the covenant with Adam, the the covenant of creation, right? The the covenant of creation that we read about in Genesis one and two with Adam. We have this covenant, right? And then we didn't talk about it, but we have the covenant of with Noah. Right, in, in Genesis 8 and 9, uh, about the covenant of preservation. No longer am I going to, I, I won't again wipe the earth with a flood. Here's a rainbow to show you that I mean what I say. Right, here's this, this covenant that he makes with Noah. Right, a few chapters later, we have another covenant with Abraham, a covenant uh, of really of promise, right? I, 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 the, the, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the sand. Uh, I, I will make your name great in the nations, right? He has this covenant of promise with Abraham. Right? And then we we get to Exodus and we get to this covenant with Moses, the covenant of the law. Right? And and God is basically saying if you obey if you obey my commands, if you obey my law, then 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 we'll be good, right? There's this covenant of the law, right? And, and I hope you realize that as we're talking about all these different covenants, that they're not, they, they don't supersede each other, right? They're not, one is not bigger than the next. One does not cancel out the next one, but in essence, they build on each other a little bit, right? Because after the law, we have this covenant of the kingdom that we talked about last week in 2 Samuel chapter 7, right? and God establishing the kingdom of God, and I hope, you, I hope you get where I was coming from last week. I hope you, you know, understood why I was so passionate at the end there, that the kingdom of God is not something that we wait for anymore. The kingdom of God is here and now, and, and but not yet, right? We have, all, we have access to the kingdom of God. We live in the kingdom of God. And so our lives need to be dedicated to this kingdom. I hope you understood why I was so passionate about that last week as we made the connection from the Old Testament to the New Testament within the kingdom of God. All right, this week... This week, but here's the thing. Sorry, I'm not going to get to this week yet. This, after all of these covenants, there's still a problem. And here's the problem, is that the people of God are idolatrous. All right, the people of God see, see a golden calf and they think, you know what, I want to worship this. Right, They, they, think, they see, uh, in, in some of the Old Testament, we see the worship of Baal and some other of these gods. And, and we see the people of God chasing other gods. They're idolatrous. And, and because of that, the people of God are immoral in many ways. Because a lot of the worship of these other gods are things that are not contained in the law of God. Right? We, we, we see uh, in some of the prophets calling out the people of God for, for doing things like sacrificing their kids to, to this other God. And sometimes I read the Old Testament and I think, how do we get to this point? Like, How, how do the people of God, who have seen all of this stuff... Get to this point where, they, I mean, think about this. They've seen, they, they hear the stories of them coming out of Egypt, of God parting the seas and then killing all the Egyptians in the same sea that they just walked dry land around, right? We, we see the, the fulfillment of the promise. Here's the promised land. We see all of this. And then all of a sudden, we get to this point where the people of God are, are saying, you know what would be good to, to worship this other God is to sacrifice my own kid. How do we get to this point? But then I think about that, and I think we do the same thing sometimes. I mean, we're not going to sacrifice our kids, especially on Father's Day. I won't talk about that. I've thought about it a couple times, but I didn't do it. All right, we're not going to do that, but, but sometimes we, we are these people of God at our core. Right, We see all of the things that God brings to the table we see who God is. We've seen the blessings of God. We've seen some miracles of God, even. We see all this stuff, and that yet day after day after day, we find ourselves chasing other things. And we find ourselves going after other things and not being true to the gospel. Are we not the same people as the Israelites were? Sometimes I read the Old Testament and I think, man, come on, guys. Seriously. And then I look around in the New Testament church and I look around in, in the church today and I think, Man, come on, guys. This is who we are. This is what we've kind of what we've become. But but this is the gospel. Pastor Chris, the gospel is not that the people of God are sinful. No, that's not the gospel. That's just part of the gospel. The gospel is this that the people of God are inherently sinful. We are, we are idolatrous. We chase many other things other than God. We are immoral in many ways. And, and, and honestly, we can't help ourselves sometimes. We, that's just who we are. We cannot stop doing that. And yet, God, in His infinite grace and in His infinite mercy, loves us and invites us in and brings us in and brings us close. This is the gospel. And this, is, this gospel is not just a New Testament thing, as we're going to read this morning. This gospel is found in the Old Testament as well. We're going to be looking in Jeremiah 31 today, if you want to turn to, to Jeremiah 31. But this is, the, this is the good news, that even though the people of God are disobedient, God is faithful. See, the theme in the Old Testament that we're going to talk about this morning is, is this theme of restoration, that God is in the restoration business, that he is not, he's not about just letting broken things stay broken, right? He is not about just letting exiled things stay exiled. He is about restoration. And so if you turn to Jeremiah 31 with me, starting at verse 31. Here's what, here's what Jeremiah says. He's just a Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, speaking on behalf of God. And here's what he says. <clears throat> the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Right? We've heard about all these covenants, now we're going to get a new covenant. What's this new covenant about? It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is this is arguably one of the one of the more important passages in the Old Testament. This is the, the new covenant. That this is really the, the New Testament in the Old Testament, right? Here's the, the, what he's prophesying here is the coming of Christ and this new covenant, which is a covenant of, of love, and it's a covenant of forgiveness. It's a covenant of, of grace and of mercy. It's been called the, the covenant of consummation, right? It's the, really the consummation of all these other covenants that God has made in this one covenant that we read here in Jeremiah 31. And I want us to see how, how this covenant brings together really everything that we've talked about over the last eight weeks as we've talked through the Old Testament and some of the covenants in the Old Testament. This covenant here brings, really brings it all together. And I want to I put us in the shoes of, of those who are hearing this in Jeremiah 31. Because these people are in the midst of, of despair. Right? These people are... I mean, Jeremiah is kind of one of these books that you just feel bad almost for the people of God. The people of God are constantly disobeying and constantly going out of their way to to not do what God says. Jeremiah says over a hundred times in this book, repent, 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 over and over and over again, repent. And the people of God are continuously disobeying. Repent, repent, repent. And because of all of the disobedience... The people of God are going to be exiled. Jerusalem is about to be destroyed. And the people of God are in a place of despair at this point. And Jeremiah comes in the midst of all of this, and really for the like, 31 to 33, 34 chapters, those, those chapters, 31 to 34, are really kind of these chapters of hope for Israel. Right? Even in the midst of this despair, God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. We're going to do this again. Even though even though you disobeyed me. Even though I was like a husband to you. Let's do this again. I'm going to make a new covenant with you. So I want to put us in the shoes of those that are hearing these words from Jeremiah. And I want us to just, just think about this. We are going to receive a new covenant. What does this mean? What does it mean for the people of God to, to receive this covenant? This new covenant, and it really, this is a new covenant that, like I said, it consummates all the other covenants. It doesn't necessarily make the other covenants obsolete. It doesn't. It doesn't mean to forget the other one. In fact, many of these, many of the covenants we've already talked about have the same components as this new covenant. Let's talk about some of those real quick. Let's talk about the the law of God. Right, we we see in Moses this this covenant of the law, in Jeremiah thirty one. It's not it's not we're, we're Let's do it this way. The old covenant, right? How how was the old covenant? How did the old covenant talk about the law of God? Well, the law of God was written on stone tablets. Right? The law of God was written on stone tablets. What does Jeremiah thirty one say, say about the law? He says, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. Right? No longer is this just something that is, that is to see, that's, not, that's kind of distant. right? This is something we can read, this is something we can know. But now, Jeremiah 31 is saying, no, this is something that you are. I'm going to write this law on your minds, I'm going to write it on your hearts. Interestingly enough, this isn't even the first time that Jeremiah has talked about writing on people's hearts. Right? If you turn back with me to chapter 17, just a few pages, chapter 17... Verse 1, he says, "Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts. All right, so what is written on the, on the people of God? What is written on their heart? It's sin. Sin is written on their hearts. Right, and then if you read again just in the same chapter, verse 9, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And it goes on to say, I can. I am the Lord. I can do this, right? This is this is what it means. This is this is the new covenant. In the new covenant, we we get the law of God written on our hearts. I mean, this is this is really the greatest need that we have. We need a heart change. Right? This is this is the greatest need we have as Christians. This is the greatest need we have when we come to Christ. We need a new heart. We need a new heart. And this is honestly the promise that we get in Ezekiel. Have you turned with me? I know we're flipping a little bit today, but turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. And Ezekiel is really on the flip side of this exile that Jeremiah is talking about. Right? Ezekiel is written after Lamentations. It's it's just a couple of books after jo- uh, Jeremiah. And it's not uh, <clears throat> Here's what he says. Starting at verse 24. Ezekiel 36 starting at verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. What is he saying? You're not going to be exiled anymore. This is the the flip side of this. Remember, I'm telling you that in Jeremiah... Jeremiah is speaking to a people who are just in despair because they're about to be exiled. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And here we have Ezekiel on the flip side of this. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all your countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Does that sound familiar? That is Jeremiah 31. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the fields that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember that your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for their sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Man, this is... This is interesting. See, when we come to Christ, when we come into this new covenant, we get a new heart. God takes out our heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh with the law of God written on our hearts. See, this is, this is a, a different way to look at it. Because normally what we think is, well, I've come to Christ, so, so I guess I, I should stop doing this, and I guess I should start living this way, and I guess I should. You fill in the blank. And really, here's what it is Man, I have found a treasure in Christ that is more valuable than anything that I could ever imagine. And so the way that I live comes from my heart. It doesn't come from a a sense of duty or a sense of I have to do this. The the way that I live comes from a place of love to God. It comes from a place that God has has written this on my heart. And so I live this way because I love God, not because I, I need to please God. I live this way because God loves me and died for me and sent his son for me and raised for me I, I have this sense of love towards God and so this is why I do live the way that I live it's not out of a sense of of duty I mean think about it this way if I was to come home from a day of work and just give Rachel just a big kiss and she said what was that for and I said well you know this book says that I should, after a long day of work, I should come home and I should, I should give you a kiss. And, and you know what she would do with that book? She would shove that book down my throat so fast. right? This is, that's not what it's about. right? Why do I come home and give my wife a big kiss after a long day of work? Because I missed her, because I love her, because I want to be with her. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we live the way that we live is not because we have to, not because the book tells us to. It's because we have a love for God that changes the way that we live. We have a new heart. All right, this is this is this is good stuff here. I mean, the law of God is no longer just written on tablets, but it's but it's written on our hearts. It's part of who we are. This is the new covenant. Well, how does, the, how does the New Covenant talk about how we relate to God, how we, how we know God? You can remember in the, in the Old Testament, right, we, we read about how, how Moses was the one who could meet with God. Moses would go into the tent and the people would, would stand at the front of their own tent and they would worship God because they knew that there was a man meeting with God in the tent of meeting. Right, this is how the, God, the people of God knew God really from a distance. See, but in the new covenant, and the new covenant's a little bit different. The new covenant is, is a lot different. I mean, you go back to, <clears throat> to Jeremiah 31 here. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I want you to hear these words. For they will all know me, declares the Lord. For they Will all know me. We do not come this morning to see one man or one person meet with God. We come this morning with full access to God because we we have a flawless man, Jesus Christ, who came and he lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die and he rose again so that we could have access to the Father, so that we could be in an eternal relationship with the Father. We have access to God that not based on our ability to keep the covenant, but based on Christ's achievement of already keeping the covenant. Do you understand that? We don't have to keep the covenant. God already, God already fulfilled the covenant. God already came down in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? There There's no more tent. We don't have to go to a certain place to meet with God. We have access to God. We have direct access. Right? Hebrews says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now, how do we as sinners approach the throne of grace with confidence? Through no other way than the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians with me, and Paul talks about this a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting at verse 12, says this, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I want you just to hear this verse in light of what we're talking about. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we all, with unveiled faces, we have full access. To God. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but we have full access to God. Do you realize that what we have today is what the Old Testament saints dreamed of? Can you imagine one of those people standing at the, the entrance of their tent as Moses goes into the tent of meeting, standing and worshiping a God that they in essence, don't really have access to. Moses has access to him. Can you imagine having a conversation with that person? Saying, you'll never guess. Thousands of years from now, we get to just meet with God. I can just say a prayer and have access to this God. This God speaks directly to me through his word. This God, I have direct access to this God. They, they would fall on their faces. They'd be like, this is what I dreamed about. This is, this is what the Old Testament saints dreamed about. And the new covenant, the, 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 this, we have full access to this God. We, we have knowledge of God, not through someone else, but because we have the full access to God. This is the new covenant. And the new covenant, the law is, is written on our hearts, it's made personal. In the law, and the New Covenant, the knowledge of God is, is made accessible to all people. It's made, it's made personal. Well, what about grace, Pastor Chris? Some of you just smirked a little bit, grace in the Old Testament. Pfft. Grace is a New Testament thing, right? Chris? Grace is not in, in the Old Testament. Well, it is. Grace is all over the Old Testament. Grace is found in the Old Testament anywhere that you see anyone making a sacrifice for their sins. Because what is happening in this sacrifice is that God is, is passing over that sin. If there, if there's, that's grace. Grace is all throughout the Old Testament. Well, what about grace in this new covenant, Pastor Chris? What about this? Well, it talks about this forgiveness of sin. All right, let's go back to, let's read that real quick. Jeremiah 31. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I will remember their sins no more. Turn to one more place with me, Hebrews chapter 10. And by one more place, I mean, we're going to move around a little bit, but just one more right now, right? Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins, right? Here's the thing about sacrifices. Sacrifices don't take away sins. They cover over sins. God passes over sins when, he, when there's a sacrifice made, right? which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time, they're talking about Jesus, when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says in Jeremiah 31, 31, which we read, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. This is the author of Hebrews quoting Jeremiah here. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So, where is the perfect sacrifice found in the Old Testament? No other place than Jeremiah 31. The New Testament is in the Old Testament. It's right here in Jeremiah talking about the perfect sacrifice is going to come and and cover all sin for all time. This is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We don't gather together today to bring an offering for our sins. Our sins have already been forgiven. Our sins have already been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the new covenant. This is the covenant that you and I live in, a a covenant where, where the law of the the Lord is written on our hearts, right, where where we can know God intimately and personally without having to go into a tent of meeting, without having to rely on someone else to do it for us or to make a sacrifice for us. We can know God because God desires to know you and to know me. We can know God intimately and personally. And we have the grace of God that covers all of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the new covenant that you and I live in every single day. This is the covenant that he's giving to this people who are in despair, who are, who are hurting, who are who are coming out of just completely disobedience to God. And he says, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, Drew. I'm going to make a new covenant with you, Israel, the people of God. I'm going to make this new covenant with you. It's not going to be like the covenant with your ancestors. I'm going to build on that a little bit. This new covenant, you will be my people. I will be your God. You will all know me from the least to the greatest. And there will be forgiveness of sins with a perfect sacrifice. And if that's not hope enough, at the end of Jeremiah 31, there's a, there's a verse, verse 38. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city will be rebuilt for me, from the tower of Hanel to the corner gate. The measuring line will stretch from there to straight to the hill of Gareb and then turn to Goa, the whole, valley where, the whole valley where dead bodies and ashes are thrown and all the terraces out to the Kidron Valley onto the east as far as the corner of the horse gate will be holy to the Lord. The city will never again be uprooted or demolished. Remember, these people are facing the destruction of, of Jerusalem and they're anticipating here a new city. Where do we read about this this new city and and, and a new covenant? Well, in the end of the book, Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and 2 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, "...coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be, <clears throat> they will be his people." and God himself will be with them and be their God. Where have we heard that before? That's Jeremiah 31. I will be your people, I will be your God, you will be my people. They will will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We have a, a hope for this new city this new heaven and a new earth, this new Jerusalem that comes down. We have hope in this new city. This is the new covenant that you and I live in right now, today. Pastor Chris, what we're reading the Old Testament. I know. How awesome is that? The Bible that we, that we read and that, that shapes us and that God speaks to us is not just the 26 books in the New. There are Old Testament scriptures that are essential for us to understand the New Testament fully. To understand why the coming of Jesus was so important, we have to know the Old Testament. To understand the whole, the whole sacrifice of Jesus. Why, why is Jesus coming and, and living a perfect life? Why is that important? Why is it important that he died? Why is it important that he raised from the dead? Well, I'll read the Old Testament and we'll find out. All right, this, is, this is an important book for you and for me to know and if we're going to be disciples who make disciples, if we're going to be able to, to know the story and to tell the story, we can't leave half of it out. we got to know it. We've got to know it. Here's the thing this morning. You and I live the new covenant you and I have the law of God written on our hearts that changes and shapes the way that we live our lives you and I have access to God that the people in the Old Testament could only dream about and you and I have, have the grace of God that is freely given to you and to me if we accept it but it's not just for you and for me There are people out there who need to trade in their heart of stone for a heart of flesh with the law of God written on it. There are people out there who need to know that they have access to the very real God who loves them and made them and created them and wants to be with them. He wants to know them. And you and I need to go tell the people out there that they have access to the free grace of God and all it takes is acknowledging This cannot be just for you and for me. This is for the world. This is so the world will know that Jesus Christ came and died and raised for them and that Jesus Christ loves them and wants to be in a relationship with them. This is our responsibility. This is what it means to multiply Next week we're going to jump into the New Testament. And I'm excited. But we can't have that without also being where we've already been. And so as we move forward this week, I want you just to to be thinking about this. Be thinking about these covenants. Be thinking about the Old Testament. Be thinking about all of this stuff that we've heard. And let it just be, be sealed on your hearts. Not, let it, not not to let it just go away and, and be done with it. Let it seal on your hearts. Let it be a part of who you are because it is a part of who you are. This is a part of your identity in Christ. Let's claim that this morning. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we are thankful for you again. God, this morning we come and we we pray to you, we come and even just this act of praying to you is acknowledging that we have access to you that is unparalleled, that the people in the Old Testament we're reading about have, have, they would be just so jealous to know that we can just sit and pray in a room like this together and lift up all of our words to you and you hear every single one of them. God, we pray to you and we just acknowledge you this morning, God, we love you and we We just acknowledge your love for us that we don't deserve. God, we acknowledge the fact that that we can know you. We acknowledge the fact that that your law is written on our hearts, that it's a part of who we are. God, we acknowledge that, that your grace is a part of who we are. God, may we go forward this week, and may we make a difference in other people's lives because of this knowledge. God, we could share the gospel today based solely on what we've heard in the Old Testament? Would we go out and do that? Would we go out and make a difference in our world for you? May we be disciples who make disciples. May we go out and multiply today. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to pray this blessing over you. May the God of all grace, the God who makes himself available for you to know him, may this same God who has written his law on your hearts go with you, go ahead of you, be in your conversations, be in your workplaces, be in your homes, that you might make a difference for him this week. May you go and be a disciple who makes a disciple. May you go and multiply. Go in the love and the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.